Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we set our sights on a conversation around global trends today, as times are changing dramatically, much of the world is being characterised by confusion, chaos and conflict. You know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, displaced people in lots of nations, nations like Myanmar, chaos in economic and social settings around the world, and of course in the West, Christians under pressure so much so that standing for biblical truth is getting harder and harder, carrying the risk of being cancelled or silenced by those who think theirs is the only opinion allowed. Well, one of the great champions of global trends was the late, great Bible teacher Chuck Missler, who died back in May 2018. And since then, the ministry that he founded back in 1973 called Koinonia House has continued under the leadership of Chuck's successor, Ron Matson. Ron is also an internationally renowned Bible teacher. Our privilege today to capture the heartbeat of Ron Matson from Koinonia House Headquarters in Idaho in the United States. And Ron is joining us through this coming hour. Ron, a special welcome along to 2020. Well, thank you, Neil. It's a great pleasure to be here. Ron, lots of water under the bridge over these past few years uh, since Chuck died. And you were at Chuck's, uh, you know, you were there at the helm with Chuck uh, through those later years of his life. Uh, Things have continued on and there's been a a few dramatic changes that have happened even over these past few years. Uh, Where are you at at the moment if we're talking a, a big picture? Well, it's amazing, isn't it? I remind people all the time the basis of uh, what people look to Cornelia House for is insight in prophecy. And uh, yet Chuck would say that if he wanted to be remembered, he wanted to be remembered as an expository Bible teacher. But nonetheless, uh, he couldn't couldn't help the popularity of people believing that somehow he had insider information into prophecy. Uh, But I can certainly tell you that uh, as of late, uh, the only thing I can promise is that God is the only one that even understands what tomorrow may bring. Things have have uh, the the rate of change in the world uh, is so rapid at the moment that uh, I dare say anyone trying to um, uh, put too much certainty on what they proclaim that they think they know about future events uh, uh, is uh, probably not taking in stock all this happening around them. So certainly you, you, you've characterized it very well with it being chaotic, um, and at a time of a lot of confusion. And I think confusion starts at the center of all of this. And yet, uh, as Christians, we're called to be children of light and not of darkness, and therefore we don't need to stumble. And so that's our our primary response to the darkness and confusion is, of course, to get back to the basics, which is standing wholly and solely upon the Word of God. You know... Um, When you lose a founder like Chuck Missler and uh, all of a sudden 
uh, Ron, you are in charge. Uh, you're the successor. And no doubt there's been some changes. And, uh, you know, some of the eyes taken off Coinonia House. But Coinonia was a substantial ministry, uh, global reach. And uh, no doubt that global reach continues uh, today. How do you describe what's happening with Coinonia House and the sort of uh, people that you're reaching out to? Well, I can start with sort of a little joke. When, when uh, in the fa- past five years, I, I became the president and CEO in 2015. Chuck passed in 2018. And um, Chuck would, would constantly say to me all the time when I would speak to him about various issues, of course, he'd say, that's your problem and not mine. And I say, yes, Chuck, but I'm going to resurrect you from the dead because I'm not going to let you get away with this. So, um, But the, the truth of the matter is, is that a ministry like Cornelia House um, was founded simply on the principles of encouraging people to take the Bible seriously. And um, when Chuck passed away in May of 2018, uh, I took the unprecedented step of saying that we'll step back uh, one thing you don't want to do, uh, and I've seen in other ministries, and I did not want to follow that pattern, was to simply um, make uh, tomorrow the same as yesterday and just assume that uh, the ball would just keep rolling. We wanted to um, receive from the Lord our own um, charter, as it were, and uh, provision from the Lord. And so I took us into what I called silent running. We just spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time just watching and waiting, uh, not wanting to assume, as the Bible says, build on another man's foundation, uh, that if God's work with Chuck was finished, then we want to be in a place that we could uh, do that graciously in a way that brought honor to him and was beneficial to the body of Christ. And so for the whole uh, 2018, um, we did one uh, international conference in Colorado, but other than that, we didn't publish anything, we didn't do anything new, just sat back and said, okay, Lord, our hands are not on the wheel. If this is to go forward, then you are going to make it go forward. And we want to see it clearly be something that you're doing and not something that we are just simply perpetuating uh, because of the inertia that was there based on the ministry of Chuck Missler. By 2019, uh, we solidly received our answer at that point that uh, we had not only uh, maintained course and speed, but we actually saw about a 25% growth uh, in the ministry internationally, uh, both radio, television, and um, uh, product distribution, to our amazement, considering that we effectively were doing nothing proactively other than just doing what we just naturally did on a daily basis. And uh, so um, that Uh, gave us the confidence then to begin to say, okay, Lord, then what areas would you like us to to work in? Uh, And and thus we've been uh, expanding on a few areas, redoing a few things, um, um, doing things like making our online university, our our Cornelia House, uh, our Cornelia Institute, uh, for years and years and years, um, people would pay an annual subscription for that. Um, in 2019, I made the command that I said, look, it's going to be free now. Just anyone can take it. So we went from having a, a student body of about 2,500 people to now we have more than 35,000 students uh, taking classes through Cornelia Institute for free. And uh, people would ask, well, how do you pay for that? Well, as I pointed out to my board of directors, uh, that I was going to take a view that um, I was going to out try to get, I was trying to out give God, and uh, when the money stopped, then we would stop, and it hasn't. Uh, the the support has been tremendous, 
and uh, the exposure of, of the materials has grown and grown. And um, so, and we're, we're, we're on more platforms now, more, more opportunities are available to us now than they've been in the history of Cornelia House. Well, 35,000 students in your online university around the world. You might have a few more after sharing that today. Hey, Ron, there's been a few you know, ups and downs and some rough patches too. Uh, under Chuck, the ministry of Koinonia House even changed from an American base to New Zealand. And now you've moved headquarters back to uh, where you are there in Idaho in the United States. Uh, what was uh, the issue around New Zealand? Uh, what would listeners understand from, uh, from your move back? Well... Um, in uh, from the early 2000s, both Chuck and Nancy Messler was were quite enamored with Australia and New Zealand. Every time they would take a summer uh, holiday um, uh, speaking tour through Australia, New Zealand, they were always so warmly welcomed. Uh, they just honestly believed that perhaps they should spend the latter part of their lives uh, reversing the trend of of a lot of uh, globally known Bible teachers who normally then, if they're from the Southern Hemisphere, they move to the Northern Hemisphere. They really felt a, a, a real connection and love with the the Aussies and the Kiwis, and so um, they began to make application clear back into 1999 uh, to to um, relocate. And it, but their age prevented that for a long time. Uh, they were finally successful in uh, September of 2009 and uh, 2010. Uh, Chuck and Nancy moved down with the intention of retiring. But also during that period of time, they realized, well, retirement really is not a, it's not really found in the Bible. So they knew they had to be active in something. And so thus, they came across a piece of property they felt was the hand of the Lord called the River Lodge in the middle of the North Island in Reparoa. And uh, they moved there initially to just simply be their retirement home with a place to do some conferences. Um, then the situations politically in the United States began to change to where Chuck perceived that uh, the ministry might be compromised in terms of its ability to remain free in its broadcast. And uh, so he made the command decision to move all the operation uh, uh, headquarters-wise to New Zealand. And that took place in uh, 2010, 2011. And that's when I joined him. I was living in Europe at that point, joined him, and we um, set up the uh, the operation in New Zealand. Uh, all of the material that was being produced, television programs, radio programs, textbooks, websites, everything was being done at our office at the River Lodge. And it remained so until after the death of Chuck. And then, of course, as you all well know, um, that fateful uh, uh, 2020, March 2020, COVID came, and the world experienced this uh, this shock and awe of what can happen uh, when um, when fear takes over, and uh, we found ourselves in a country where all of a sudden uh, we were used to being very mobile, uh, and we could not travel anymore. All the lockdowns and uh, uh, and red flags and red signs and this that and the other thing. And uh, after two years of that, we recognized that uh, um, it was it was greatly hindering our ability to continue as a ministry, um, not just internationally, but even locally. Uh, we had begun to uh, start local Bible studies and uh, speaking around, especially New Zealand. And um, because of the uh, policies that were um, being put forth um, under the um, uh, health health acts and things that were going on, uh, we could see that we could not have uh, 
uh, meetings of more than 10 people. And uh, so we thought at that point, um, best to to go where we could continue at least for a short period of time without those types of restraints. And so we literally made a midnight dash. Um, there were some things also going on in the United States. We knew we needed to, for the non-American citizens who were uh, married into our tribe, um, they needed to be back in the States before November 8th. And so we literally made a, made a overnight decision and we packed up five families, 25 people, uh, all of our offices, put them in four 40 foot containers and shipped everything from New Zealand back to our, per, our permanent office that has been here since 1990, um, which was just a warehouse for our fulfillment, uh, in North America. And we moved all the operation back here all the families back here, all the talent back here, except bar one, two families. And, um, uh, and, and so we could carry on and that allowed us to then, um, uh, be able to do the type of traveling and, uh, and speaking that we could do here in North America, which, which under the, the current, um, uh, situation there, uh, would be impossible. We'd be impossible to, to leave. So we just thought it better to, to get closer to the opportunities of ministry. And uh, in my own case, of course, my wife and I, um, uh, we're Kiwi citizens, so we look forward to the loosening of, um, of the restraints so that we can return to Australia and New Zealand. And uh, we'll do that as soon as we can, and it's appropriate. But uh, for now, um, we made that really, really quick decision uh, because we just saw no other way to get around the, uh, the barricades that were uh, fast uh, uh, being raised up around us, and uh, and uh, so here we are. And it's I, I left a be- left a beautiful summer in in uh, in New Zealand, and and all the, all the tomatoes I'd planted and everything, <laughs> and uh, came up here to a very very cold winter in Cordelang. It's it's right up near the Canadian border. It is very cold. So let me tell you, okay. And uh, interesting, nice. isn't it, uh, that there is a deeper story that to tell there around what happens when fear grips a nation or fear grips a government and the ways that governments can tend to move to authoritarianism and uh, all of that sort of muscle that's involved in there. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 1-800-316-316 1-800-316-316 If you'd like to join in our conversation you might be a long-time supporter of Coinonia House. Well, your opportunity today to talk to the CEO, Ron Matson, who was the successor to the great Chuck Missler. Ron, some people will be saying, what's different about the sort of teaching that comes out of Coinonia House these days? Because you're not Chuck Missler, you're Ron Matson, but you're also an outstanding Bible teacher. What's different to you? How do you describe the way you teach the Bible, perhaps in contrast to the way people uh, were used to hearing from Chuck Missler? Well, Chuck and I, uh, in one sense, are very, very much the same. We both come out of the same background of uh, focusing on expository teaching, verse by verse, through the Bible. Uh, We both have a technology background, uh, mine not quite as illustrious as Chuck's, of course. Chuck has uh, uh, both an appetite, uh, had both an appetite and an ability um, um, with knowledge which was uh, really quite unique. 
and set him apart. And, and in fact, oftentimes um, uh, when people would ask, when they would see the two of us, they say, what draws the two of you together? And I would say, well, you know what they say, opposites attract. So everything you know that is one way with Chuck, I'm just the opposite in the other. In the sense, if there's real intelligence in Chuck, then I somebody has to fill out the other side of the bell curve. So... <laughs> But um, from my perspective, um, I I was in uh, both um, uh, uh, technology fields working in the aerospace industry for many years, but also bivocationally, I was a pastor of a church at the same time. That's one area where Chuck had no expertise at all. He was he was a tech, technologist um, and um, and loved teaching the Bible. But um, so when we begin to teach together, team teach and do things together, we were very conscious of the fact that that um, we both did a lot of the same things. The the expositional type teaching, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, breaking down words and so on and so forth, historical backgrounds and things. But um, from my perspective, having done that myself three times through the entire Bible, in fact, Chuck used to joke that that I was two times ahead of him because I had been doing it longer uh, in terms of going through the Bible. But, um, and I said, yes, Jack, I might've done it three times more than you have, but you do it three times better. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, So I, uh, as we begin to teach in, especially in tandem with each other, I would intentionally try to find topics that were not in a strong suit. So I didn't teach a lot in science. I didn't teach a lot in, in um, uh, a lot of the code-related things or aliens or those types of things that Chuck would be well known for. Uh, and uh, so I sort of focused on, one was that a lot of on discernment, having spent 25 years pastoring in England, um, I saw the demise of the church in England, which came about primarily from my perspective as a result of the mainstream church leaving uh, the teaching of the Bible, uh, trying to be more relevant and popular than powerful and pure. And uh, so um, I focused a lot on that. In fact, one of the first briefing packages I did independently was called um, the death of discernment. And it was just a, an, a first shot back in 2011, I think I recorded that. And it was just trying to give an update on what happens when a nation leaves um, the, the teaching of the word. Um, also focused on things like a, a, a briefing pack I did called Doctrine of Demons. It wasn't about demons per se, other than what uh, the Apostle Paul has to say when he says that uh, in the end times there will be uh, teachers that will uh, bring forth doctrines of demons. And these aren't about teachings about demons, but rather their aberrant theology uh, that uh, invade the body of Christ. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, we're living in a time of chaos. You know, there's a um, famous statement made by a, um, a Chinese general named Su. And uh, he says, uh, the first casualty of war is truth. And that is very true. If you've dealt in the, in the world of the military at all, you understand that intelligence um, is the, the most precious commodity that you can have. And if you can confuse your enemies so that they become distracted, confused, um, you've won a battle. You've neutralized them. And unfortunately, um, it's not just a go at the local media that this happens. Um, people um, are falling prey to um, 
uh, confusion because of their own uh, ignorance, uh, not doing their own due diligence, as, as Chuck Messler would say. Um, so as a, as a teacher, I, I focused on that. I also did a whole series, six-part series on uh, family matters, uh, sort of pastoral uh, teachings on uh, what is biblical marriage, uh, biblical parentage, uh, child rearing, uh, practical aspects in the home, and um, so things like that. I did another series uh, on evangelism. It was a six-part series dealing with what is the Great Commission, what is our responsibility. Um, I heard your previous guest speaking about um, the um, uh, financial responsibilities that, that people have, but remembering that the most important stewardship we have is our time, uh, and what is it that we do with that time? And um, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, the judgment that comes to us at the judgment seat of Christ, if we are Christians, is not how well did we spend our money, um, although that is important. It's how well did we spend our time. Money is something that can be um, uh, can be recaptured, can be regained, can be earned again. But time is something that once spent is lost forever. And I think that uh, we need to be very conscious of this idea that uh, we could be um, losing a commodity that later on we recognize that we've squandered something that's very precious to us. So um, a lot of different types of topics, and I intentionally chose them. Uh, In fact, here's a good example. Chuck and I were getting ready. Uh, to do a conference. Sometimes we'd do a, a weekend conference and he'd split up the uh, the titles based on the ones he wanted to do. And um, we were doing a, a series called The Church in the End Times. And he said to me, he says, okay, I'd like to do it. I'd like to do a session on um, leadership in the end times. I said, great, Chuck, wonderful topic. You should do that. You're the guy to do that. And the conference was going to start on a Friday and uh, he came to me on a Wednesday, and he said, you know, I've been really praying about it, and I really think you should do it. So on the, on the Wednesday, I get this, okay, you're going to be teaching the two sessions on leadership in the end times, because I have something else I want to teach. And that was not uncommon, by the way, when we would uh, team teach through conferences. He'd, uh, uh, he'd have one idea in mind, and then I'd, he'd, he'd plop something on my lap. Hey, Ron, let me just touch on one of the big strengths that Koinonia House was known for, and that was the ability to have feelers out around the world and being able to be like a magnet for intelligence and the capacity to plot global trends on things that were happening. Does Koinonia House still have that edge? Do you still have those feelers in nations around the world gleaning and gaining intelligence on things that are going on? Well, the very nature of our ministry is koinonia, that is fellowship. And of course, uh, with the establishment of our Koinonia Institute, with uh, as I told you before, earlier in the broadcast, we have about 35,000 students now are members in that. And uh, uh, there's a lot that comes feeding back. It's not just a one-way uh, fire hose of Bible teaching going out. Uh, we have plenty of people that feed back to us from all facets uh, of industry and corners of the world. And so um, we are plugged in at that level with lots of people. Plus, we have very good friends um, that are um, uh, authors and speakers that we keep in contact with uh, and share information as we uh, independently come across them. And so 
um, I think now is the time to always be awake and aware, and uh, that's something that uh, being diligent in the times in which we live is very important. We're also taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Melanie in Victoria. Hi, Melanie. Welcome. Thanks. Um, I've just been watching the um, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours presentation by Chuck um, with our Bible study um, group, and and we've got to hour 23, and it's talking about um, Babylon, and there's been a bit of um, discussion, um, difference in our Bible study group about whether um, Babylon in itself will be literally re-established, um, or whether you know that actually has already taken place. Um, and just a comment about um, a lot of money being thrown at Babylon area now to have the historic, um, you know, um, infrastructure rebuilt. So um, places like the US um, and Europe are actually you know, helping to fund um, the re-establishment of um, the history there supposedly. Melanie, great insight because when we talk about Babylon, clearly there is a physical place uh, called Babylon or at least the uh, the development that's going around what was ancient Babylon and there's also this analogy that we have, the biblical idea of what Babylon is. And uh, so let's just ask Ron, uh, thoughts here for Melanie around some of Chuck's teaching? Yes. Well, when you deal with this eschatological issue of Babylon, of course, um, there are good Bible teachers that are on both sides of this issue, whether or not it is simply a metaphor uh, or a type and shadow of a shadow government um, that doesn't actually appear, or whether or not it is actually the city of uh, Babylon itself. And and I think the book of Revelation helps us there, and I think that's where you probably is on, on your hour 23 and um, when you recognize that we see a city that is uh, described um, as as being built, as being there, um, we have um, uh, a, a destruction that takes place of Babylon where um, uh, it is thrown down and shall never be again. That is in verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 21. Um, Babylon has never been overthrown to not be taken up again. Um, of course, uh, Cyrus and the Mer- uh, Medes and the per- Persians uh, conquered it, uh, um, Alexander the Great, the Romans, so on and so forth, Parthians, uh, and then it went into ruin. Uh, but even during the time of um, Saddam Hussein, there was the rebuilding of the uh, Nebuchadnezzar's pas- castle uh, and palace. Um, the, the ruins of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon have been found. Um, you can visit it as a tourist today uh, if you dare go to, to Iraq. And uh, so it still exists, and yet the biblical um, uh, description of its demise is that it would be utterly destroyed and no one will inhabit it ever again and uh, so that that hangs out the question that says that for it never to be hanged uh, to be inhabited again would mean uh, to that to, to, it has to be recreated and uh, there is a lot of attention there uh, exactly how that works on the prophetic horizon um, uh, some have seen it as being the head of his Islamic uh, um, 
uh, a group uh, that might uh, center there. Uh, there are others that see it as a religious center. Uh, but again, I think that um, if we go beyond the clarity of Scripture, then we're, we're, we're interjecting our own imagination there, and we can find ourselves uh, getting in trouble. But I personally believe that it's, it's more than just a, a, um, a way of describing, perhaps like Dave Hunt did in his uh, uh, um, uh, uh, book describing Babylon as simply the Roman, Roman Catholic Church. I, th- I think it, it is a physical place, and um, diabolical things will happen there. Is that helpful, Melanie? Yes, thank you. And I just just was wondering um, your take on um, you know other world powers um, funding the, the 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 reconstruction of that area. Wrong. Well, I think a lot of a lot of uh, Arab petrodollars going into that. I think that um, uh, it is. It is minor by comparison to some other the uh, the other developments going uh, in the Middle East. Of course, it's being overshadowed at the moment because of impending war uh, with Iran and uh, Turkey. Always saber uh, saber rattling on the northern border uh, of uh, our northern region of, of Israel and the Magog invasion associated with that, or the Psalm twenty three invasion associated with that. So there's lots of things that are happening around that cauldron. Um, which which um, uh, Babylon right now would not appear to be front and center, uh, but the scriptures certainly show that um, its its spiritual DNA is throughout the uh, pagan history of mankind. Uh, you can see it throughout the Middle East. The um, the astrological um, uh, influences of Babylon are huge and are huge today, even in Western society. Melanie, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Just before we move away from Babylon and the thought of a rebuilding of a Babylonian uh, site, uh, having something that might be representative of a previous Babylon might not be representative of the spirituality of the Babylon, the power and of the evil that we might think of as Babylon but uh, there's a certain sense in which you know maybe there's uh, it becomes a tourist attraction but that doesn't necessarily have a spirituality to it any thoughts here on on the very fact of a of a physical rebuilding of a Babylon that, that it might actually be something that uh, is a reminder of either good or evil yeah, I think it will be. I, I, I think what the description and its prominence within the book of Revelation, um, you cannot discount. Um, it's not just simply a, um, a spiritual force. It is something that is the headquarters of the, um, the evil in that final age with the woman that rides the beast um, and, and all that is associated with her whoredoms which are spoken of in the context of Babylon. So I think that um, it is something that uh, is uh, more than just um, a, a, uh, a representation. I think it's a reality. And in that reality, I think that we're, we're seeing that uh, the, the whole idea of, the, of, the, of, of many religions have, have uh, their root uh, ideas coming out of Babylon. 
And uh, I think that's important for us to take note. And for the Christian believer, Ron, the reminder of the power of the prophetic word being fulfilled that God has promised. Uh, So there's one way to look at it in a fearful sense. There's another way to look at it with a dimension of hope. Is that a relevant way for the Christian believer to be able to look at those sorts of things being fulfilled in end times? Oh, yes. In fact, in fact, we're told as you open the book of Revelation that blessed is he who, who reads these things and understands. It's, uh, it's the reason why I think most people uh, don't recognize um, the, the benefit of understanding uh, what, what good there is in, in, in reading, allowing the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and mind to that which he has put pen to paper for us to have revealed in this last time. I think there's no reason for us to be uh, overcome with fear. We don't ha- need to have a spirit of fear, but of, of uh, a sound mind. And I think we gain that the more and more we get an insight into what's God's plan and purpose, and we find that through the Word. Let's take another call. Graham is in Burnie, Tasmania. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Graham, welcome along. Thank you very much. Look, we're, Babylon is actually the religious head church, which was going to confuse, or will confuse and deceive mankind with the false prophet. We're heading that way. Our nations rejected God. We're very confused. Just have a look at uh, any any of the so-called English-speaking countries. Very confused. Don't know where they're going. Uh, rejecting God, you know, in Scripture 24, Matthew 24, I should say, says you'll be hated for all nations by my, because of my, because you're standing for God. And the thing is that you Christians today, and uh, to, to understand where we are, that we're at the edge of time, and we're going to have to stand up for God. Good thoughts, Graham. A response from Ron. Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Matthew 24 is a warning um, that Jesus gives his disciples there on the Olivet Discourse. Uh, He is warning them that uh, uh, these perilous times are coming and uh, that we are not to be overcome by them, but we are to be overcomers in them. And I think that now is the time more than ever when we need to remind ourselves that at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ, he said of the church that we are like a city upon a hill which cannot be hidden or a lamp on a lampstand. In both instances, those lights exist and can be seen when it's dark. Uh, During the daylight, you wouldn't necessarily notice a town. During the daylight, you wouldn't necessarily notice a lamp. But now's our time. The world is descending into darkness, confusion. It doesn't understand gender. It doesn't understand creation. It understand, doesn't understand anything that are foundational principles of biblical Christianity. And yet their hearts are darkened. They're fearful. And so as Christians, this is our opportunity now to let our light so shine before men that when they see our good works, they'll glorify our Father which is in heaven. So yes, stand tall, stand proud, stand true, so that those around who are looking for light can find it. Graham, thanks for your insights. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. 1-800-316-316. Just before we take another call, the thought of the reminder of evil, the thought of the reminder of end times, for some it brings fear, 
and let's go into hiding, batten down the hatches. Uh, For the believer, there should be a different sort of response, Ron. Any thoughts here on how the the believer responds to perilous times? Well, yes, you know, it's interesting. The Apostle uh, Paul talks to uh, Timothy in his final epistle, chapter 3 of Timothy, and he says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Now, if he would have just stopped there and allowed us to let our imaginations run wild, we would say, oh, yes, nuclear bombs, uh, um, pestilences, global, global pandemics, so on and so forth. But it's interesting that as he gives this list there in chapter 3, he says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, and he goes on. And those are the types of things that on the outset, they don't seem to be too threatening. How is that a perilous thing? It's because it's the love that we have for ourselves more than the love of God that eventually leads us away from God. And I, I think that when, when people are, are being overwhelmed, it's because they don't know who is holding them. If they understood that it is the creator and sustainer of the universe who is holding them if they have put their trust in him and that there's no need to be fearful or to experience fear when you know who holds your future. And I think that's what's important. It's important to know the future as much as we can, as much as spirit will allow us uh, through his word. But it's also to know no fear because he knows the future. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Deborah is in Townsville in North Queensland. Hi, Deborah. Welcome. G'day. How are you guys? Very well, Deborah. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I've recently um, discovered Chuck Missler's Bible in 24 hours um, through a friend and um, enjoyed listening to that while I clean three hours a week at someone's house. So it's been good. Um, but I um, struggle sometimes with, uh, like, the churches these days seem to not go very deep into the Bible or say slightly superficial or um, just like they say, they bring everything back to the gospel. But then the gospel just kind of seems to end at the cross and not keep going to, well, at some point Jesus is going to come back and um, there'll be a millennial kingdom and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts of encouragement or what some realistic expectations can be to um, yeah, be in the church. Um, Deborah, yeah, all those thoughts around uh, <laughs> being shallow and getting deep, uh, let's get a response from Ron for Deborah. Well, Deborah, I appreciate the uh, the excitement that you have for uh, the word that you're getting just by studying. It's a natural byproduct of uh, good, healthy food, isn't it? Uh, when you're when you're doing something that that creates strength, that makes you desire more nutrition, which 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 creates more strength. And what I would recommend you do is to just remember that not everyone is at the same place of spiritual maturity that you are. And be grateful for what God is doing in you and through you. And pray for those people. Um, God is one who, if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. Sadly, we see the world, uh, and even in the church, those who seek God 90 minutes a week. And, uh, and then they wonder why they don't hear very much from him. And so those are people that you need to... Um, individually pray for. As you know, individuals, just pray for them and encourage them. Condemnation will never bring a person to a place of uh, an earnest search after 
God's truth. But but prayer and love and uh, an instruction and example by you is the greatest light you can give. Deborah, thank you so much for your call. We won't have any time to take more calls, but let's just pick up on a thought or two more here. As you say, 90 minutes on a Sunday, and perhaps that means there's a 30-minute sermon on a Sunday. It's not really enough to grow to maturity, and so relying on that 30-minute sermon on a Sunday, uh, letting a lot of people down. To get deeper, you've got to actually expose yourself to more teaching, more of God's Word, haven't you? What are your thoughts here, Ron? Well, I think that I think the dialogue that God would like to have with all of us is that uh, He's not somebody that you can just pull off the shelf once a week and and muse about uh, and expect to gain great benefit from it. It would be like me trying to um, become physically stronger and just simply uh, looking at weights on a wall or perhaps taking them out or st- reading a book about them until I till till I engage myself with them. They they provide no benefit, and I think that that um, given the age that we're in, the war that surrounds us, the devil seeks whom he might devour, that he's roaming around. Now's the time. The signs of the times are here, and the antidote for apostasy is here, and that is studying the Bible. And uh, so you you know understand the times we're in, and you understand the response that we should have, and to occupy our time in a way which is most constructive to not only build our own self up, but everyone around us as we encourage one another to do love and good deeds. Well, we talk about an antidote for apostasy. Uh, We might think, well, I'm a member of a local church, and I do turn up at church every week. You know, it's like clockwork. I'm the one who's there. But an antidote for apostasy, the study of the Bible— Uh, There's even something deeper in saying study of the Bible than reading the Bible. We'll encourage people regularly to read the Bible. To study the Bible is a whole different uh, dynamic in itself. A thought or two here from you, Ron, on, on, on what it takes to actually study the Bible to a point where you can say, now I am growing to maturity. Well, I'll tell you what. The easiest way to know the difference between studying and just being a student uh, that listens is that when you read the Bible with the intention that you are going to take away something to give someone else, that makes you a teacher. As soon as you begin to teach, you begin to learn. But when you learn, it doesn't necessarily mean you're apt to teach. What I mean by that is this. Begin to handle the Word of God with the anticipation that the Holy Spirit is going to give you something uniquely yours that you may deliver to someone else. And as you do that, you will double learn it yourself and you'll also bless someone else. That's the best way to study the Bible. It was the way I started, the way Chuck started, just about everybody I know, started with a desire to take something that we were excited about and give it to someone else. And that began a journey that we just uh, could could never be satisfied in constantly looking for things that we could find to give to others. Well, Ron, we have run out of time, and I want to thank you so much for taking time to share these thoughts with listeners today and a bit of an update on where Coinonia House is at, at post Chuck Missler. And uh, you're at the helm now, Ron Matson. 
uh, in your own right, an internationally renowned Bible teacher. And for listeners who want to connect with Ron Matson today, let me point you to the Koinonia House website, khouse.org, khouse.org. And we heard a little earlier, there are something like 35,000 people who are studying with Koinonia House around the world. And for listeners, you'll know that you can access the 6640 broadcast with Chuck Missler here on Vision, easily accessible on the Vision app or on demand at vision.org.au. Ron Matson, wonderful getting your insights. Thank you so much for updating us today on 2020. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.